This podcast is sponsored by Inside Out Group, the specialists in high-risk and challenging filming and time-lapse, covering health and safety videos for rail, construction and infrastructure projects nationwide. And we're live. Welcome to this week's Safer Than Your Average. On the show this week, we've got Fraser Allen, Managing Director of CBES and formerly Group Director for Risk and Compliance. Fraser, if you just want to come in and introduce yourself. Hi Blair, listen, thank you very much for uh, asking me to do this. I'm quite uh, humbled and honoured by it. So, uh, as you said, my, my, my position at the moment is a Managing Director with CBS. It's uh, a company within the City Facility Management Holdings Group, uh, which is a global business now. Uh, a number of businesses in the UK and businesses over in Australia and America uh, and the, uh, Southeast Asia. So. Amazing, amazing. So quite a global role then, Fraser? Well, no, my, my, my role, Blair, really is just in CBS, which is UK-based, uh, you know, probably have circa 600 employees, uh, 130 million of thereabouts turnover. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the overall group within uh, the UK is another uh, two businesses, City Facilities Management and uh, City uh, FM. Uh, and they, they are, they're primarily, we, we look at uh, my business is primarily a sort of a engineering and a construction orientated business construction with a small c mainly refreshes fit outs etc we specialize within the the retail food retail environment so we have been a throughout the last three months you know a great deal of our people have still been working to ensure that the nation and our clients have, have got their uh, stores in place and that, that uh, you know the population can People can go and get food, etc. So it's been a, it's been interesting. So well, here to hear a bit about your background, Fraser. So if we just start right from the beginning, if you tell us a bit about where you grew up and your early life. Okay. Okay. Well, the uh, first couple of years of my life was spent in a a wee place called Balalak, and then moved from there into a place called uh, Bishop Briggs, uh, just outside Glasgow. So. Spent most of my time there till I was in, you know, probably 21, 22. So I went to a little primary school called Bomuldi Primary School, went to a high school called Bishop Briggs High School. A, a probably typical, typical, a, typical upbringing, really, you know. Mm-hmm. Lots, of, lots of pals and, you know, in those days you could go roaming all day, you know, you could go out in the morning or the weekend with your dog and come back at six at night, no one, no one, uh, I think my mum was happy to get, get rid of me for the whole day, to be honest with you, but, uh, <laughs> The old, as long as you're home, but I think, yeah, listen, absolutely, and I, yeah, and I think, I think the point, you know, I think, you, you, you know, that freedom is a great thing, you know, given that, you know, I'm using the word autonomy, that sounds a bit business-like, but, you know, I, I spent a lot of my time, Outdoors, I still I still love going outdoors. I, you know, I like I like the mountains. I like, you know, hill walking and I like fishing and, you know, I like getting out and about. It's it's just it's nice, you know. Yeah, definitely, definitely. So if we move on a little bit from there, then Fraser, what did you do as your first job? Can you tell us a bit about that? So that's a very interesting point. My first job, I left school a kind of disillusioned slightly uh, and I became I, I, I got an apprenticeship as a, as a, a cabinet maker uh, so that is making furniture and, and, and what have you you know uh, and I would without blowing one trumpet I think I was quite good at it but uh, I really enjoyed it you know so that was my first job apprentice cabinet maker uh, that was great, actually. Went to you know went to college in the old building and printing, Glasgow College of Building and Printing. Did the all my studies there. I think actually thinking about, it, I think I won a prize for a for a for a sofa table, which I tell you right now, I still got my still got in my house. <laughs> I think I must be a real frugal person because it was saying to, 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 
lives in Ossolongo, who had a table that I'd made, and, it's, and, and I made it in high school, and I still had it in my house till about <laughs> six months ago. It broke my heart to get rid of it, you know, but I thought, enough's enough. This is ridiculous, you know. So uh, I enjoyed that. I really enjoyed that. I enjoyed the, creation, the creative side of things. I liked, you know, I, I, I moved from, after I'd done my apprenticeship, I moved into prototype uh, work and all that stuff. Uh, I remember working with a, some great old tradesmen. Yeah. I've still got some tradesmen tools of, of, of a, a, one of my old tradesmen left me them, you know, sadly passed away and he bequeathed me them, I suppose, and he's got all these rebate planes and spoke shaves and things like that, just amazing. Uh, guys work to build their collection of tools up across their career, so it could be 40, 50, 60 years worth of collecting these things. Uh, absolutely, absolutely, and you know, Priceless, you couldn't, but you, 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 you know, you wouldn't be able to buy them new now, you know. But uh, you know, there's machines to do all of that stuff. But I, I remember working with a an Italian uh, tradesman called Fusto, mm -hmm. and he came. He worked with his. I worked with him for a year, and he came back. His wife was Scottish, and she'd come back for uh, some treatment. And uh, this guy could. He was like Popeye, you know, big the big big arms, you know, really hairy arms, you know, and he could sharpen a chisel and just take the hair off his arms with the chisel. It was absolutely unbelievable. I've only ever been able to do that twice in my entire career. <laughs> I mean, how, how and, and this man uh, started his apprenticeship at 12 years old. Wow. And it was, and, and I think he made, I think he effectively was, you know, the go, you know, you know, the go-to, you know, he just, he, and he, he, and he effectively, I think, for the first couple of years, as it, you know, mixed the animal glue. Mm -hmm. Now, so that's how far back, that's how old he was, the animal glue. And if you've ever smelt it, you will never forget it. Yeah. And what happens is they made it, you know, from bones and fur and all, that, all the rest of it. But you kept it in a kind of a, a bain-marie. So you heated it up every morning and it, and it melted the glue and they would use the glue for, you know, be, you know, hearing pieces of wood and, and, and veneers and what have you. So that, that, that's a, that, that's kind of, that's some of the stories, I suppose, from apprenticeships. But I think interestingly, thinking about this, when you asked me to come on to do this, a little chat, you always get nervous getting interviewed, you know, you never get over that. But I was thinking, you know, you hear a lot of stories how people get into safety. And I was thinking this through, and I think, you know, where did you really learn safety? And I think you probably learned it from a very young age. Yeah. But it's interesting to see how, how people, you know, when you think back on it and reflect, uh -huh. did you take risks? And what risks did you take, you know, if you were on the swing or you climbed the tree or whatever it may be? So you're always thinking, you're always assessing risk as you go through a... Uh, one of the, one of the, someone said to me, my son, he said, you know, he's really, when he was really young, he said, you know, he's, he really, he really understands how to assess risk, you know, he won't yeah. do something, you know, you think he's flying about in the scooter, but he knows what he's doing, you know, and yeah. I thought maybe people, maybe people are actually, you're either inclined to be, you know, everyone's, everyone's hung about with the person that decides that he's going to climb the highest tree and fall off, you know, yeah. uh, I was not, I never went that high, you know, maybe went halfway up. <laughs> I get that having a, a little one myself. My little one says to me um, a few months ago, we were walking off a little stepladder and she said, be careful, daddy, you'll fall <laughs> off of there. You know, at two and a half and you're thinking, where That's have you learned that? <laughs> you shouldn't have said that, of course, in this podcast because you're a safety guru, you know, so uh, you, you would obviously have a permit. A permit. Of, of course. But I thought, I think I actually go back to, because um, I go off, I tend to go off piste here, but I think the reality of undertaking an apprenticeship. And it stuck with me when I went into safety that you've got a lot of guys telling people that have been through, you know, that kind of journey about safety when actually I don't really know of many apprenticeships. And particularly when in cabinet making where you're exposed to, if you think about it, you're almost exposed to the six pack, if you see my point, the, you know, work equipment, chemicals, kosh, noise. Mm -hmm. Manual handling. You've got, you know, you're, you're, you say, you know, you don't put on a spindle, you know, you don't operate a spindle molder without first of all going through a thorough checklist. Yeah. You know, these are dangerous pieces of equipment, so it's drilled into you from 
worked go from day one in college. This is out, you know, how many rev, you know, RPM these these cutter blades go. And if you've ever seen a piece of wood getting ejected from a spindle mold, or if it hits a, you know, a shake or a knot or something, like that, or one of the cutter blocks comes off, you'll, you know, you 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 become very attuned very early on. You understand, you know, it's a it can be a dangerous, a, you know, trade if you like if you don't watch what you're you're doing. So I think that's probably where you sort of get introduced to safety without not really knowing it. Yeah, yeah. And I think that's a little bit lost nowadays as well with some kids that we kind of tend to wrap them up in cotton wool and don't let them experience risk. So when they're faced with it, they don't know how to deal with it, especially when they start to become young adults and move into the workforce. I think that's maybe a very good, a very good, very good point. I mean, I think, you know, society's evolved throughout the years, you know, and, you know, the hundreds of years, etc. Risk is something, you know, you know, what you... What you did as a young man, or what your what your 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 you know your forebears did in terms of what, how they worked, etc., is different from how we would do it. You wouldn't expose people to the same risk. Why? You know, it's just absolutely not not on. But you're but I do think you're right. The, you know, Homo sapiens, I suppose, if you want to put it that way, you you know you've evolved because because you've had risk exposure, and you've got risk whether it's physical risk or whether it's psychological risk or whether it's risk on you know in your own in your own family life or whether it's in in, in the workplace you know yeah. it just comes in different forms i mean business is all about managing risk whether it's health and safety or whether it's you know strategic whether it's client you know client-led whether it's you know it's that's what it's about isn't it yeah totally totally um so just moving on a little bit then fraser how did you move into health and safety? This is normally the point that we get a, a big long story about how you became a safety professional after seeing people being injured or something along those lines. But I know you've maybe got a bit of a different take on that. <laughs> well, I, I don't have any road to Damascus uh, story. And I've, and I've certainly seen, you know, a number of uh, serious injuries in my time, as you would expect, as most people, most people have. I don't. I don't have that. I don't have that story. I think he, I, I fell into it he, probably by luck. You know, I'm, I'm a great believer in. You know, I'm not. A, you know, other people can shape your career. You know, everyone needs to be helped. Yeah. You know, the people that really say I did it all alone. I'm not sure that's the case. If you really look back, you didn't. I moved from a. I, I moved to a. Uh, from H. Morris, where I was a cabinet maker, I had five years there, and I moved to the co-op mm -hmm. funeral, funeral services down at King George V Dock in Lint House. Okay. Uh, and, and when I was there, I thought to myself, you know, I had that, I thought, what, what have I done? I've came out of school, I've got a, you know, I'm a, I'm a cabinet maker, I think I'm pretty good at what I do. Uh, but what do I want to do with my life? And I started putting myself through a night school at universities, management studies and marketing and all of that kind of stuff. And then when I was in funeral services, I used to make a, I used to make the ca caskets, you know, the big American oak, yep. high detail, and it was just great. It's great. Some of the guys you work with were fantastic, but but the the group safety director, I remember he approached me one day, and this was way back. This is way back in the day, you know, as it were, and. He said, "Listen, I would like you to uh, put a fire plan together for the for the for the facility." Yeah. And I'm like, and at that time you're very conscious because you've got a lot of peers. You're a young man, you know. And all mm -hmm. these older guys, like, what's, what's he doing? You know. Anyway, I did this uh, to the best of my ability, uh, as as it were, you know. And it was just, it was no different from a, a fire plan than today, other than the fact that you know it was it was back in the day. And then he said, "Look, I would like you to get. I'd like you to, to go on a, a health and safety course." And I was like, "Why would I want to do that? Mm -hmm. I mean, what, what is what is health and safety? You know, as as a subject." And I really was like, I, I kind of said, I, I kind of rejected that a couple of times. Chap's name was David Middleton, so I'm still in contact with him actually. They called him Doctor Death because he worked in a funeral services. Us, but that was his nickname. No one said it to his face, of course. But <laughs> Uh, so he said, well, when are you going to do this safety course, which turned out to be 
going back to building and printing, I went to uh -huh. uh, for the second time. I'll come back on when I went the third time, actually. Uh, <laughs> and uh, I, I, and, he, and I did the Nibosh uh, certificate, mm -hmm. and I met all these people in that course. Some some guys were just like me. Other guys were older, you know, and people were from management and all that kind of stuff. And I very quickly got doing this and thinking, you know, this is a this is quite interesting. Mm -hmm. You know, the, the stuff the safety thing, isn't it? Yeah, well, you know, the safety stuff, you know, the 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 tie C and the fiat and all that, that was all second nature and all that kind of stuff. But all the other stuff and the, the legal side of things and yeah. I really get into and and he, I remember speaking to a chap and I was thinking about this, he probably was my first sort of mentor. A chap yeah. called Jim Watson, who was the ex HSE and he was the head of safety at the the the, the 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 royal, you know. Okay. I remember standing. And if you if you know Bill and Prince, is that the Royal Hospital in Glasgow? Royal Infirmary, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, if you if you know Bill and Prince, when you came out, it was in the sixth floor or the seventh floor. We went to get our, uh, uh, classes. Yeah. At night, because you went in at two o'clock in the afternoon, and you did. Two to five, and then six to eight. And Jim did the Jim did the night uh, courses. And I remember standing outside the lifts waiting to get down. I was chatting away to him. He's a great guy, Jim. And he said, "You know, he says, why, why are you doing this?" I said, "Well, you know, I was sent on it, you know, by by the work." He said, "Let me give you a bit of advice. This is about to go quite big. Uh -huh. This is in its infancy, and if you can shine in this." You will go far, and what he really meant was, and he, he really, he really, you know, forced you get to go down the rabbit holes, rather than taking things at face value, questioning it and question it, and 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 read it, read and get into research, and really to look at it from, not just the practicalities of it, but from the what you what I suppose safety professionals would call, you know, the you know, behavioural safety, if you get my point. Yeah, yeah. So that's kind of a, how I get into that, and then I went back, and I was I was hooked in. Mm -hmm. I thought this is great, you know. I, I want to go and do the diploma, and they, they wouldn't, you know, they, they they wouldn't fund that. So I thought, right, well, you know what, I'm going to do this myself, and yeah. I and I sent away, and I got all the past papers and all the books, and I, and I did it myself. Self, and I went then went then you booked a you booked a table at the, the University of in West of Scotland or the University of Paisley at the time. And yeah. I did my diploma, and it was just near the end of the diploma there was a job came up, uh -huh. uh, and another gentleman called George Wilson, whose sons are, uh, uh, Alan and Graham Wilson, they're big, they're bigger than the Nibosh, the, the teaching and training, and that. Said, well, there's a job coming up. Uh, I think you should probably go for it. Uh -huh. And uh, I went along for the for the interview. I didn't even know what what I'd, I didn't know what shirt and tie was. You know, I was a I was a I was a tradesman. Yeah, and it was in it was in a the interview was in it was the job. Excuse me, I'm going all over the place here. The job was a, a health and safety manager within the food technology college, Glasgow Food Technology College, and Glasgow College of Building and Printing. It was a shared role. This yeah. is how this they were, and the, 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 this they had no no one had done this before. Yeah, Roger yeah. Willie was was a was a consultant for them at the time. And we're going to have Roger on the show in a few weeks, so I'm going well, to that one as well. I'll ask him about well, it. We'll ask him about it because Roger has been a big influence in my uh, career, and you know, I would say more than simply, you know, a, a, a colleague is a is a phenomenal individual, you know, who can take you know complex subject and bring it down. But he kind of you know handed over for the first sort of year. So by complete surprise, I, I got this job. And uh, I went into the, I can remember going in the first day because I had, a, I had a, a seat, a desk in building and printing right. and, and, and an open office. And I had a computer and I didn't even know what a computer was. It had the C prompt on it at the time, you know. I'm like looking at this thing. And, and this food technology, Donald Leach, who was a vice principal. So I, I reported to Donald Leach in food tech and Bill Duthie in a building and printing. Both phenomenal individuals, and both gave me, you know, a real a grounding. And I had an office. I got an office in food tech. Uh -huh. 
So after sitting down with Donald and asking him what, I, what he wanted me to do, he might as well have been speaking Greek to me because I had no idea what I, was, I did no idea what I was meant to do. I went and effectively hid in this office for about four <laughs> weeks, thinking, I'm, I'm winging this. I'm not even winging it. I don't know what to do. I think the saving grace was, look, this was a blank canvas in many ways. Yeah. And I phoned up Jim Watson one day and he said, how you doing? And I didn't even need to say anything. He said, do you want me to wait and meet for a coffee or something? I said, Jim, that'd be great. So I went down to see, and I went and met him for a coffee. I was very sophisticated now. I could go for a coffee, you know, I was off the tools. <laughs> and everything. Uh, and uh, he said, so how's things going? I said, you know what, Jim, I'm thinking about going back to what I know. Mm -hmm. He said, what are you going to do? He said, I said, because I think I'm out of my depth here. I don't really, I'm, I'm struggling. He said, and I talked to him for a while. He said, I think I, I, think I know why you're struggling. I said, okay, why? Well, well, good. Enlighten me, you know, because <laughs> I need some help. <laughs> he said, I think you've been used to going into a job in the morning and finishing it at night. You go in at eight o'clock, finish at night. You don't need to think about it. You go back the next day. I said, that's all right. Now, you don't, you go into your, you go into the office, you do something, it's never complete. You don't yep. even know where it's going. You don't know how it's going to affect things. I thought, that's absolutely, he said, you need to start thinking six, 12, 18 months. And at that time I'm thinking, really? And that was brilliant advice. Mm -hmm. And I get, I get a real boost from that. And I went back and I thought, you know what? I need to get out of this wee office or behind the desk and understand what you put in my computer to make it work. Uh, and I just need to immerse myself in this. Yeah. And I went round and, I, and I've done this in every single job. Went the best, best thing to do Go and ask your, your boss what you should do, first of all, because they should be there to mentor and give you advice. And then ask them about the people in the organization. Yeah. And make sure that they'll tell you this, or, you know, whether it's, you know, it doesn't matter. Is, and they'll say, don't go and speak to Blair. He's, he's an he's a angry guy, or he's busy, <laughs> or he's just aloof, or whatever. Make sure, make sure that guy's on, on your list. Yeah. And what was great about academia, I think, was... Uh, you're dealing with people who are, uh, you know, high up in their field. They've mm -hmm. all got an argument. They all yeah. know their, they all know their stuff. And so you cannot go in knowing more than these guys. Yeah. And that was a life lesson. And you know, if you take it going back to building and printing, I was having to speak to some of my le my lecturers when I was in, when I was doing my my apprenticeship. Uh, and that really, once you get a grip of that, and once you understood that, you know, you need to understand organizational structure. Who's who? What do they do? Yep. How do they link? How do they interdigitate with the with overall, you know, microcosm which the organ which an organization is? Mm -hmm. Then I think you then start to think, right, okay. Then you can actually go back to your studies and start to say, well, how does how does this actually apply here? Yeah. You know. And you can build it up. And, and, and it, it gave me a great deal of freedom because it allowed you... I did stuff in my early days in the colleges with dust lamp analysis because you had the, you had the, the, the photography guys. Yeah. You had the wood machines. You know, I've, got, I've still got pictures. We, we did all the, all, the, all the readings, you know, and the, and the, yeah. you know, the, 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 the dust, you know, total inhalable, total respirable dust. The old Tyndall light out to get the refraction yeah. of the dust and all that stuff with the cameras. Brilliant, phenomenal stuff. Yeah, Noise studies a lot, and you had lots of freedom because at the time there was not a role. You had to create the role. You had to fill your day, yeah. and then you had to then go and present that. So you, the, the amount of the skill set I got there, I'm not sure you would get that anymore because safety is established. Uh -huh. You know, it'd be much more. You would be coming in, and you would you wouldn't feel that kind of apprehension of do I know what I'm, I need to learn this in the hoof because you would have a team to work with um, yeah, yeah. and actually once you got on top of it you know it was good and then of course you had to then go and train people or, 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 or communicate with the lecturers which is never a an easy easy road you know and that's when I get into that again to let again to lecture and all that stuff and yeah. started you know I, I did a diploma in food hygiene and 
what have you. It was, it was phenomenal. It was a phenomenal experience. Uh, by the very nature of these people, they're academically qualified and they know how to research things. So you need to really go in knowing your stuff to deal with them because they well, will research you if you're not careful. Well, I think the best thing to do is be honest in these situations and make yeah. sure you say, I'm not here to tell you to tell your stuff. I yeah. think most of these guys, you know, most people through every walk of life are pretty humble. You know, if you if you walk into a business and say that I know more than the the electrician, or yeah. I know more than that, and and you start telling them about you know this is safety, I think you're going to get hackles up in most people. You know, so I think the the best thing to do is be humble about it. Mm -hmm. uh, I remember going to see a, a, a lecture because we had a we had a, a radiation sources in the in food tech at the time. Yeah, can you believe it? It's amazing. I'm going to go along and see this man, and he was like Mister radiation you know he just was he was incredible <laughs> i never understood anything he was telling me yeah he had these wee radioactive sources that he opened up he had, this is in, in his desk and i'm thinking this can't be right you know and he phone up roger he, he'll tell me about what a radiation protection supervisor is you know so that was that was that was that, was that. and then i moved to a renfrewshire council after that yeah and that was that was good as well because you get you know public sector gets a hard time but I tell you they probably overdo things but they do it very very well you know yeah. uh, worked very hard at it as well I had a yes. lecture when I was at university a guy called Brian Mitchell I don't know if you know Brian Brian was, was a good guy um, I was about to tell you well Brian Mitchell I know very well yeah I know very well because Brian Mitchell became my boss at the Infrastructure Council yeah. So I was there for a couple of years and they restructured the safety and there was going to be a senior safety and a, and a safety manager. And of course, at this time, I'm thinking, I want the safety manager's role. I'm, uh -huh. I'm, I can do this. Yep. I can do this. So I had to go for two interviews, one for the senior and one for the safety manager. And uh, I didn't get the safety manager's role, much to my deep, deep disappointment. And Brian got it. Uh -huh. And I remember phoning him up to congratulate when he came. You know what, you know what Brian's like? You just phoning me up because I got the job, and I said, "No, I'm not just phoning you up because you got the job. I'm actually phoning you up and saying, I'm looking forward to working with you. But if that's the way you wanted to go, and actually, he was brilliant. We yeah. get, we had a great relationship, and Brian taught me one thing. Brian was a real strategist. Yeah, I remember coming into the council. He was reading, he was reading, he was reading the safety plan that had been written in the policy. He's like, "Who wrote this?" I said, "Well, I actually wrote it. Pretty good." Well, that's high acclaim. That's you know, uh, but he showed me how to deal with senior people. Yeah. And when you went into his his, his office, because uh, he lives he lived he lived in the, uh, down in the priest, and he would come up for most of the week and then go back down a Friday afternoon. Yeah. Went in his office a Friday afternoon. He would be sitting thinking, and he'd be looking out the window that blue sky thing, and his desk was always clean, clear. How does this man do this? You know. Because he delegated it to us, that's how he did it. <laughs> but the point is, the point is with that, I think if you speak to Brian, I've not spoke to him for a number of years now, but I think he would say the reason I could delegate because I had two guys underneath me that knew what they were doing. Yeah. We we had I think we were the second council in the UK to get to to get to eighteen thousand. Mm-hmm. And the we actually won a we actually won a, an award. We got an award. We had to fly down with Brian actually to London to the Waldorf, yeah, in London, places that I wasn't acquainted to, you know. And the and Trevor McDonald, you know, the music he yeah, was he was. I've still got a picture, and we had to go up the stage and we got awarded this and and it was great. And he said to me in the flight, I looked at him. I said, "You'll you'll have no problem with us flying, you know, because he was he was a he, he was in the he was a." TA guy, you know, yep. paratrooper or yep. whatever it was, it was he was a super fit guy. He went, I hate flying. I've jumped out a lot of these, but I don't like it up in them. <laughs> <laughs> My last memory of Brian was all the, the colourful, flowery shirts that he used to wear all the time. Yeah. He was a really eccentric guy, but really, really good to speak to. Um, he was, he was, he, he was very, very. He was great, you know, as, if you were his wingman, you know, you sat there and you could watch him talking to directors and all that. I thought, you know, I know why I never got that job now. Mm -hmm. And I'm glad I never got it because I wouldn't have been, you know, where I am if, if that hadn't happened, you know. Yeah. 
that that allowed me to then, you know, you know, almost have a step change in terms of your career development. And I think, you know, I go back, you don't do it on your own. You need, you need you need a bit of luck. You need people to, you know, put their faith in you. Because mm-hmm. mo- the, the job after that I went was another blank piece of paper. It was a quangle for the Scottish exec. I, I, I was asked to go to, to join. And I went into, I, my position was a senior HR advisor. Right, okay. Parenthesis health and safety. And the truth of the matter, I was setting up an organisation and bringing all the uh, NHS and local authorities together. It was the Scottish Care Commission. Yeah. Which, uh, so that was a uh, that was that was interesting. Uh, and you know, you're going into a position as well, and it was quite that was quite a difficult time for a lot of those organisations because they were all merging into each other and all the yes. systems and yeah. setups. Yeah. Hundred percent, and you you've got to take that into account because people don't like change. Uh-huh. You know, I think I personally do like change. You know, I think I, I kind of, I like it. I, you know, I, I like the flex. I, I, what I like about safety and, and those, probably, this, and right the way through my career is, the beauty about safety is it gets you into every nook and cranny of an organisation, if you want it to. Yeah. And I think health and safety is probably, well, probably not get any favours for this, it's probably getting an outdated term, because it's much more risk management. Yeah, you know, take the take the financial risk management out of it, but you need to link with that because, in my in in the role that I moved in, and you in, you know, you've got to build it yourself. You know, you've got to want to bring more into it because it's it's all about it's all about understanding risk. And if you've been schooled in how to understand risk, you then got to be agile and flexible and see how that how does risk you know look in different different aspects. Effectively, food hygiene is no different from you know, hazard's no different from risk assessment. The next yeah. stage is environmental. Quality is no different from that kind of thing. You know, it's, it's, it's very, and they're all linked. Mm-hmm. And, and a lot of organizations have HSEQ, didn't they? Well, yeah. the next stage to that is what's happened for over the last 12 weeks. And if yeah. I'm right, I think we're 87 or 88 days of a wee tracker that for lockdown. So if I ramble on, maybe it's been, it's been getting to me, you know? <laughs> You've had nobody to speak to for a couple of weeks. Well, well, indeed, indeed. <laughs> to take the other side of things, insurance, yeah, ELPL. Yeah. At the time, I'm looking. You know, the, the person who looked after the insurance was a finance guy. I never ever spoke to the to the safety team or the safety professionals, etc. Well, I'm not saying they should control that, but in terms of my business at the moment, ELPL is under the is under you know risk. Because that's and, and that's why you can make a real difference because you you know how to start you know you know how to protect the business protect the people reduce the claims because of better working environment etc cetera, etc cetera. and then from that business continuity you know that the last twelve weeks is all about business continuity yeah and that's about risk management mm-hmm. so all of that I think is I think you know. What, what do I know? Well, you only know you only know you know what you've experienced and things like that. And from from my from my point of view, I think going back to Jim Watson's, if you can shine, you you can you know if you if you if you you know if you're good here, you'll shine. I think uh, it's about also pushing yourself, stretching the boundaries, mm-hmm. asking for a wee bit more, showing your abilities, you know, and and actually. Into you know get into every aspect of the organisation, and unless yep. you know the organisation and the people, how do you build policies, procedures, systems that are that are truly integrated? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you, know? you need to know about about every area in the business to be able to build those policies and procedures and how they're going to interact with them and the work that the people are carrying out. So I'm totally on well, the page. That one, Fraser, it's an well, if you've, if you've done any any consultancy in your life or you went in any businesses and you know, and I used to used to do, people say, Can we, "Would you build me a management system, a safety management system?" Because we need one, you know. Mm-hmm. Well, the answer to that is maybe. But what is the compelling reason you did that? Well, the last guy that came in, you know, wrote me the safety management system. It's up on the shelf there. Yeah, well, it's up on the shelf because. Either it was written badly, or more likely, there was no buy-in from someone in the organisation. Yeah. But writing a management system is not what it's about. 
Mm-hmm. When I went to my, the, the, the role I'm in at the moment, I've been with City now for oh, 17 years, I think. Mm-hmm. I went to see the, the, the manager. That actually, I was, I was headhunted for the role, you know? Yeah. And the, and the guy, uh, you know, the MD at the time, phoned me up actually and said, I thought you were going to come back to me. I, didn't, I said, well, look, I'm swaying here because I think I've got a real good career here. And, you know, and, and there's, a good, there's a good career path and all that stuff. I was doing a master's. I said, I've done a master's. I was doing a second one in HR. And, and he said, ah, well, and he must have known how to bait me because he said, well, I've, met, I've met you three times now, Fraser. I thought you wanted a challenge. <laughs> I said, right, when does start? That was at the gauntlet was when down. <laughs> so, so I left and, and, and probably didn't ask the right questions and, and arrived and thought, right, man, oh man, this is another blank piece of paper. And, and we are, we are, a business is growing, but we're, we're causing a lot of problems mm-hmm. here and we need to sort it out. And I said to him, what do you want me to do? And I started the 1st of September. He said, look, we're, real, we're right at the peak of our program, you know. Mm-hmm. I want you to go on the trains and planes and I want you to go and spend three months, just go around the country, go and meet people. Mm-hmm. I said, no, I know, I know that, Ian, but really, what do you want me to do? He said, no, I want you to go and meet people, understand the organisation. And I thought, how bold was that, that he was willing to, willing to say that? And he said to me, but don't go and meet that guy, because he's just, he's up to his eyes in at the moment. And I said, right, okay. What's his name? Mike Brannigan. I said, okay, give me his number, would you? <laughs> <laughs> when do I went to see him? That's exactly the people you want to talk to in the organisation. You, know, you might as well get it over with, you know? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So it's, it was interesting. So it's been interesting. Uh, it's quite interesting doing this talk, actually. You get to reflect on what you've, what you've done, all the yeah. mistakes you've made, you know, which are plenty. <laughs> so what was the initial role you went to CBES as then, Fraser? I was well. It was uh, it was called City Projects at the time, and the uh, it was a it was a sort of offshoot of City FM, uh, and I went as head of head of health and safety, mm-hmm. uh, and then we became CBS, and you know, and I, you know, it took you it took you a while to change people, you know, change people's mindset and get you change the you know. A, a, you know, influence the culture, I think. And it's always been a real people business. Mm-hmm. And that's what I love about it is uh, what, what is our, what is our, what is our, you know, USP? It's our people. Our people are unbelievable. Mm-hmm. See, the last three months, the stresses, the challenges, the strains, we have looked after our people in the right way, you know, and, yeah. and uh, absolutely, I'm, I'm so proud to be part of that overall group, over that city family. It's just fantastic. So you I went there as head of safety and then... There as well, Fraser. What's that? You've built a really successful team as well, not just in the safety aspects, but overall as an overall business. The business is doing yeah. really well, winning a lot of awards, really getting the name out there and doing some great work. Yeah, well, been, I mean, safety's always been been paramount in the business. And I think, you know, that was that was down... You know, you've got, you've got to push the cause, you know. But I think, you know, you've also got to try and get onto that senior management team, you know. And you've got to show your worth to do that. You've got to understand more than simply your, your narrow uh, area of expertise. You've got to sh- you've also got to understand that safety is about you know looking after the health and well-being of, of, of your people and any other, and anyone else that's affected by it. But I think it's also about you know showing what the organisation is. You know, safety is you know. You're right. You know, I'm. You know, I'm big first of all on people development. Yeah. So I built a I built a team in there. You know, and there's some great guys in there. You know, that are still still there, still with me. Duncan McNichol, who I remember lecturing in Strathclyde University, and the the, the, the the diploma. He was one of the the first guys I took on. Yeah. Uh, and you've got to have, you've got to have a great team. Mm-hmm. You've got to have a great team. You can you know. You, there's only so much you can. You've got to have a great team beneath you, and I think he's a bit like all the guys. I try and make sure they're rounded. You know that they're not just a trainer or not an auditor or not. A, I don't want policemen. I want people that are willing against it. And my business, I think, I think the legacy in there is, you know, safety is, you know, first and foremost at the top. Our colleague surveys will tell us that you know 
98% you know, success in terms of how people feel about their safety. You know, I think you're right. We've done that. We've, we've got, you know, we went quite rightly for, for you know, various awards because I think it's good to get the external, uh, you know, the, the, the macro environment, your, your peers yeah. actually challenging you. It, it means a lot, I think. Uh, and we've been pretty successful in that. Uh, so I've, I've, I think it's been, I think it's great. And, 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 and my guys are, are involved with all the design teams, all the planning, they're not, you know, no one will just walk onto a site and they're part of the team, that's part of their challenge. Yeah. Because they need to be poacher, cut, turn, gamekeeper and it, and it works well, they're held in high esteem and, and I think our safety record is, is, a, is, is, is very, 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 very good, you know. Yeah. So I'm you proud of what's been built within that business. Yeah. You made the transition as well, Fraser, into a managing director's role, which is about yeah, unique career path for someone in safety. <laughs> you don't hear many people moving across from being director of risk and compliance and then moving into that role as managing director of the organisation. How did you find that transition? Terrifying. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Very honest answer. <laughs> Terrifying. Uh, so I was made a board director of 2013 uh, and I, you know and, and by that time you know the safety team was really established you know and I got a bit of a you know you, you got a bit of a wider remit so all of the all of the, the risk management side of things the systems client a, a facing sort of a, approach you know what does a client think of us how do we enhance our delivery and what have you and I think, you know, more get involved with MD, you know, in this in the strategic direction of the business. In other words, you know, we were very much one client focused. Yeah. How do we how do we broaden the business? How do we learn? How do we how do we how do we take our values, you know, and our 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 solutions and our approach and get into other get into other other uh, sectors and things like that. And I think We've done we've done pretty well. There's a long way to go, you know. So, I mean, I think I cut a long story short. Uh, maybe I was the only one. Maybe I was the only one who was willing to take it. I'm only I'm only kidding that. But, <laughs> but when you go into something like that, before I did that, actually, I started I started doing the, the, the a lot of the, the IOD exams and things like that. So I think that really held me in, in you know good stead for that. But it's like anything. Is anyone ever ready for the new job, the new yeah. role? Truthfully, you need to be like that when you go when you're when you're in an interview. You need to come across as you you, you know. But 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 you're very very seldom are you, and you realise very quickly. Yeah. yeah, I think the difference. Well, I think one of the things about it is when you become when you're running a, a P and L or a department, yeah. or you're a director. You've got a, you've got direct reports under you. Mm -hmm. When you become a managing director, you've got directors. Who are responsible for their PL. You, you you can't manage them the same way as you manage other people, you know? Yeah. It's much, and, and you find very quickly that you that, that you you're you're on your own. Mm -hmm. So you need to make sure you've got you've got, you know, you know, these guys around the table are have got your back, you know, mm -hmm. and that you've got uh you've got a sounding board, you know. So I've got a very strong relationship with my FD and that's Incredibly important because you know we need to be you know that this is about you know our role is to make sure you've got long-term health for the business mm -hmm. and all of these things that come along with that you know what's our strategic direction how are we making sure we're looking after our people safety-wise their well-being their development because the truth of the matter is that is what's going to going to allow you to, to grow you know and. How are we? And, and then you get then you get exposed to new areas such as such as how are you how are you you know marketing strategy you know all of that kind of stuff. So it's quite it's quite exciting. I've been in the role maybe just shy of two years now. So yeah, it's been a, it's been it's been it's been an interesting journey and it's still still ongoing. And of course, up until this point, we've not mentioned your second career in the volunteering sector as well. With the <laughs> occupational safety and health. 
So, you want to tell us a bit about some of the roles that you've had with IOSH, both at a regional and a national level? Well, I, get, I, I started going to the IOSH meetings when they were uh, at the University of uh, uh, Paisley. Uh, you can ask Roger about that because he used to host them. Right, okay. And Brian Mitchell, I think, said, well, I think you should start getting into this. And I did, and, and for the West of Scotland branch, and I've been a member of that for, for, you know, for a long, long time. I've been branch chairman a couple of times, and BIDAs, and you know, I'm now the, I'm the treasurer at the moment, uh, uh, and I'm also on the IOSH council. And 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 I think why do why did why do you do that? I think you do it because you you owe it to give something back to a profession that's given you so much. Yeah. So it's like the same as I used to do a lot of lecturing and all that kind of stuff. I loved it, you know, because it made you, it made you, it made you have to prepare. You knew you were going to get tough questions, you know, when you lecture on a certain, you know, on a certificate course, a diploma course, or on a, on a, you know, the masters or whatever it may be. Most of these guys come into safety as a second career. Yeah. yeah. They know. So, whatever you're talking to them about. They'll prob there'll be someone in that audience that knows more about that strand than you do. Yeah. Totally. So it makes you do to think and you want you want it to be an experience for them. IOSH, I think we've 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 built the West of Scotland branch up. The attendances are, are, are really are really good. We've I think what have I brought to it? I think I brought I think I brought some teamwork to it. I think some hopefully some ideas. I think we've got a nice executive now. There's a better blend. There's a bit more diversity. There's more. We need to get younger people into that. We need to get, you know, I'm quite proud that there's, you know, you know, I think four four a, a ladies on that, you know, and I think that's that. And we need to get younger people on it. You know, we've got young Alec Petrie on it. He's not so young anymore, but he's on he's on that. You you're on it. You know, on, on that executive. And I think what yeah. we've done there over the years, whether it's the you know. The certificate of merit that we we turned into the certificate of merit dinner and all of that stuff, you know, volunteers are are unbelievable people. You know, I'm not to, I, I probably do less now than than I did because I've moved into this role. But when you look at you're humbled when you look at the things that people do. You know, you're doing these podcasts. It's all about promoting safety. These guys, you know, these guys, you know, and, and I'm using the term guys, but you get my point. The men and the women, you know. Of, in the safety fraternity who, who are volunteers give up their time and it's a huge amount of time yeah and it's and it must be hard for some people because you know you've got families you've got work commitments and you've got to take your hat off to employers who allow people to go to you know and, and do that because you know they'll say well what am i getting what's my return for this mm -hmm. and some of them say you know what you know some People might see it as, as, as one way or the other, but the, but, but, the, but the point is, I think IOSH, I think West of Scotland does a very, a very good job. I think we try and listen to our membership. We put in some great speakers, you know, and it's not easy, you know, it's not easy doing that kind of stuff, you know. Yeah. Uh, and then the council, I, I, I was actually, uh, you know, asked to do that by Douglas Connell. He suggested I do that. And I'm not surprised I was voted on. The podcast in a few weeks' time as well, if I can get a hold of him. Recently well, retired, but some story, some career, and uh, a really good guy. Well, Douglas, I think, if you watch Douglas in terms of his delivery and his articulation and, and how, how he, he he's, he's much more erudite than I am in terms of how do he put he can put things in order, just and he's very, very good, you know. And he, was, of course, was on the, on the council, so I'm in the council for a couple of years ago, one more year left, and then we'll see what happens. But I think that's been interesting. You know, it's been interesting trying to try shape a IOSH as, as a as a you know organization as a and as a and a, if I can get my words out here, influencer. You know, yeah. Because safety's got a long way to go here. Mm -hmm. I think safety's got a long way to go, and I think you know they've done a great job in getting huge amounts of people into the into the profession. And every every business has got safety, and it's seen as you know, generally terms, it's seen as you know, as a real motivator and a real key driver, and should be up you know, up there in the top of the agenda. But I th I th my personal point is, I think safety needs to become something more. 
it needs to get into the wider aspects of the business. Not everyone needs to do that, but my personal opinion is it's an exciting journey, you know? And if you can get into the risk management side of things, you can get into your organization and, and you can really influence it. Yeah. And that probably brings me on to my next question then, Fraser, which is you're now at the pinnacle of your career. You're at the top of your organization. You're the managing director. Where do you see yourself going next? That's a, that's a depressing question, Blair. <laughs> uh, you know what they say, you know, it's sometimes better being in opposition rather than being in power, if you get my point, because there's only one place to go yeah. uh, at the pinnacle. I uh, Look, I think I've got a lot of work to do in, in uh, City and CBS. You know, we've got a business that is a, a great business with great people. My my drive over the over over certainly is to make that business even better and, and, and healthier and and grow it uh, as much as we can. So who, who knows who knows what the future holds? You know, yeah. I think uh, I think you know you've got to enjoy you've got to enjoy it. That's the point. If you get out of your bed in the morning and you don't you, you have to question yourself why you're doing what you're doing, don't blame the organisation or your colleagues or anything like that. Look at it and say, look, I think I maybe need to go and get another fresh challenge. Yep. And uh, a lot of organisations are waking up to that now. It used to be seen as career hopping if you move jobs every three years. How mm. I would see that nowadays if I saw someone CV they'd been in a role for three years is they got to a point that they were stagnating in the role and needed a fresh challenge and have moved on. Yeah. And that 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 may well be the that may well be one side of the coin. I think you know I've got. I'm proud to look at how the longevity of, of a, you know, a great number of our colleagues, you know, and they've been with the business for a long time. So I do get that you want, you, you might want, a, you might want a churn, but what you don't want to do is get rid of too much experience. Yeah. It totally. takes a long time to build up experience. It takes a huge amount of time to build culture, you know, and once you've got it and once you've got people working together and, and you've got a good camaraderie, I, I, I you know, and and, the, and you actually know people in your business. I've seen that as well on the other side of things. So a lot of people are now boomerang employees as well, that they'll go and try something else out for a couple of years and then go back to the organisation they were originally at. Mm-hmm. One of the first companies I experienced that with was the Robertson Group. Mm-hmm. You would meet people that had been with the organisation for maybe 10 years, went away to try something different with another company, maybe two or three years down the line, they were back and they knew everybody in the organisation yep. and all of that organisational learning was coming back with them. They knew the history of the business and knew yep. how to develop it through. Absolutely. You know, it's, you know, no one should criticise someone for, 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 for moving from one to another. A lot of it is nice when someone comes back because, mm-hmm. you know, there's a there's a reason for that, you know, and and you've got you've got you know you've got to try and keep your business fresh. Is my point? Yeah. You know, you've got to keep people developed. You've got to understand why you're developing. Why we put why we why we educating you know our colleagues and this that and the next thing. Why we doing these training programs? You know, where's our succession planning? Where's our you know where's our development etc. People need to see. I'm a big believer in everyone owns a business. I do roadshows every year and I tell people, I think it's right that you're out there getting asked questions. Yeah. So here's our strategy, here's the targets. You can measure where we are against these targets, your report card, because at the end of the day, in organizations, you know, the responsibility, you know, in a safety point of view is to make people, keep people safe and healthy, make sure they go home the same way as they came into the, came into the office or the, the, the site or the, you know, that that the facility that morning that's important that's absolutely fundamental, uh, and then I think and on top of that you know you've got to you've got to be saying right okay is it is it a good place to work is it fun to work here yeah and that's a key thing as well isn't it if an organisation's enjoyable to work in people are going to want to come there to work for that organisation especially if they're seen as the the kind of pinnacle in the business. You could have two companies like for like, but one's fun to work with. Everybody's going to choose the one that's fun to work with, and then you get the best people coming to work for your organisation. Yeah, yeah, look, yeah, and it's you know what is how do you do it? You know, you know how do you recruit people? How do you how do you bring people on? How do you do you you know 
it's all these big questions. How do you grow your organization? Do you grow organically? Do you, you know, how do you, you know, all of that stuff, you know, there's, you know, but people have got, people have got to see it as, no, they don't, that's wrong. They don't have to see it as anything. But it's nice when you get feedback from people saying, thanks for that, thanks for sharing that with us, thanks for communicating, you know, thanks for treating us the right way through the last 12 weeks. Yeah. Thanks for, you know, we've had to put you in furlough, but you know what? We're not, you're not losing anything. We'll, we'll make sure that you're in the same position as you, as you were before you, because actually this is about getting through a tough period mm-hmm. and then coming out and thriving at the other end. Yeah, and there's been two types of organisation with the COVID-19 crisis emerging. There's been the organisation that's taken the approach that yours is, Fraser, that they're really looking after their people, and then there's the ones that have treated people badly um, going through the going through the crisis and paid a lot of folk off and not giving them the the right amount when they're furloughed and asking them to work while they're furloughed. I saw a study today on the news that approximately a third of people who've been furloughed have been asked to work by their employer during the furlough period. Well, you know, I, I think, you know, this is unprecedented, uncharted waters, you know. I think, well, I don't need to think it is. It's challenging times. I don't, you know, it's hard to criticise the early the early stages of this, you know. Everyone will have their own thoughts on whether, you know, lockdown should be eased or not, as it, as it were. Mm-hmm. I think, you know, my, my job, but my job and my responsibility is to my business and the people within that business. And, and, and I think it's about, can you stand back and say you did the right thing here? And yeah. I think that's what it is. And if other businesses happen to w- operate in other ways, that's probably not for me to comment. But what will be interesting when when we come out of this, and we will come out of it, you know, this won't be with us forever. This is, you know, this is this is a serious situation, but we'll come out of it. Is it'll be interesting to see how people value organisations after this. Totally, totally. Because maybe one of the questions will be is, how did you cope during that during the, 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 the pandemic? How did you treat your people? Mm-hmm. So you can come out with mission statements and visions statements and values and all the rest of it. You know, people talk about culture. Mm-hmm. You know, we need to change the culture as if you could just do it. You know, well, the truth of the matter is you can have all of these things, but people have getting antennae. And what I mean by that is, they got a pretty good idea of what the culture is in a business without having to read these things. These things are important, but I'm not, I'm not disputing it, you know. But, you know, I think it'll be interesting when you come out of that because I think culturally and morally, I think we've done the, we've done the absolutely right thing uh, yeah. in our business. And we could, have done, we could have done other things, but we've not. We've done the right thing. The ramifications of this will be, I think, is something that's probably been poorly assessed, I think this is going to have, you know, big ramifications. Mm-hmm. Human, you know, been locked up for 12 weeks because we're on day 87, I think I said to you, you know, so. Yeah. That, that's that's going to have effects on, on some people, there's no doubt about it. Cool. We just need to, we do, when, we do, when, 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 it, when it comes back, when we start getting people back and all that, you know, we need to make, you know, not when we start, we need to make sure we're, we're mindful of that. Mm-hmm. That we're looking for the signs, you know, because it's difficult because a lot of organisations saying this is great, we can shut our offices now, we can work from, everyone can work from home. I think, I did a lot of, I did some work in China a few years ago, I put mm-hmm. a global strategy in for a company and I was asked to go to China and do some work there, uh, training actually, I wrote a yep. training course and, I, and it was IOSH certificated actually, accredited rather, uh, and when you speak to that culture, it's quite interesting because they look, when you ask them, what do you think of a, the current prime minister or even the, the previous prime minister? They'll say, too early to tell. What do you mean? Well, you don't know the ramifications of an economic uh, policy for several years. Mm-hmm. But in our society, we think everything, well, someone's made that policy change. So, Oh, we've been in the house for six weeks. We can work in the house. We can, we don't need houses. We can shut we, we can shut down offices. We're in a we're in a we're in a disaster recovery. If you get my point, phase P 
people yeah. will do things in emergency. Whether whether we're still saying this in twelve weeks, let alone a year time, I think it'll be it'll be an interesting one. I'm not qualified for for that, but you'll have behavioural psychologists and people like that will have a th thoughts on that. I'm not sure that working from home every day is necessarily the, the best thing. I think we're probably much more a social creature. Mm -hmm. We like interaction. I mean, I like talking to you here, Blair, but it's much better sitting around the IOS well, deck, you know? Sitting at the table, isn't it? Yeah. Be able to, be able to, yeah, absolutely. Totally. So, thanks very much for coming on, Fraser. Just a little question that I like to ask everybody that I get on the, the show is, what advice would you give to someone that's starting out in health and safety today? That's a great, great question. Great question. I thought you were going to ask me what my, what my fee was going to be, but then, you know. <laughs> <laughs> that's in the post, don't that's worry. Right, that's right, that's right. Uh, that's a great question. What, what advice would I give them? I think I would say to someone, and this might be to, to any, any walk of life, I'd say, you know what? Be inquisitive. Try and know your subject and get under the skin of it. You know, try and, you know, certainly, certainly be hungry. Mm -hmm. If you're going into an organisation do what I do. Do what some of the do what I was talking about. Understand the organisation and the structure of it. Go and get as many organograms as you possibly can, and understand what people do. Because that's about a Sun Tzu. You know, if you've ever read Sun Tzu, The Art of War. You know, I'm not suggesting I'm a, a warlike kind of chap, but I'm talking about <laughs> understanding people. You know, I think one of the big, the one of the early successes that I had when City was not to go in and write a management system, but to go in and understand what these guys did, because effectively what they did was they, they worked to a couple of things. They scoped works, they turned the scope into a program, they then delivered that mm -hmm. through plans and all the rest of it. So I can either come along and say, here's a policy beside that, and that's important, but that's really important. Or I can say, do you know what? You can only build a wall or put a scaffold up or dig a hole in, a, in, in the right way. If you do it the right way, there's, it's always the safe way. Mm -hmm. So understand what they do and then knit your policy and procedures into that. And that will take you longer because you need to think about it. And it's anyone can write a policy. Anyone can write a standard, a procedure, a risk assessment. I may, I've seen a million of them, and you have as well, and most of them are, well, not most of them, a lot of them are pretty. You're this is what you want to know. No, that's not what I want you to know. I want you to know how you're going to do it. So yeah. so I think my, my advice would be, you know, be inquisitive, be be hungry, be empathetic, understand w w the challenges people have got, because you're effectively supporting that person. Uh, and I think you know, utilize emotional intelligence, I think. Yeah. I don't know yeah. how much you can learn yourself about that, but but understand how to deal with people. Mm -hmm. You know, try and be try and be compassionate when you need to be compassionate. Try to be forceful, be forceful when you need to be forceful. Try to be cooperative when you need to be cooperative, you know. Some people need a some people need coaching, some people need, you know, you know, the, an arm around them. Other people like to know where the, where the line is, you know. Mm -hmm. So I, 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 I think that that would be that. In terms of in terms of safety, I think you know try try and drive it. Look at look at what the next thing's going to be. Yeah, you've had a lot of giants before you. You know, there's 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 some of the guys we talked about today, Roger Willey, you know, Brian Mitchell, you know, Brian Hume. These guys have all done it before, you know, trying, you know, you're standing on the, the, the shoulders of some unbelievable people, you know, look ahead and say, hey, how do I take this to the next level? Yeah. How do I integrate into the business? How do I drive this business? Because you're a prime mover in the business. You're part of the success. That's what I'm saying to someone in safety. You're, you can be part of the success. You, and it's not just keeping, the, it's no well-being or safety. It's all of those things plus reputation. 
plus you know being proud of being the organization that you you and you're part of that you'll create that you know and that probably as a managing director, I would imagine is one of the things that would keep you awake at night is your business reputation. It's fundamental to everything that you do. I, th- I think I think what keeps you what keeps you awake at night are a number of things. I think the last thing you want is anyone to be injured. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah. That's you just you don't you don't want that. You know. And you know you you want to make sure that yeah you're absolutely right. You want to make sure the reputation of your business is intact and and can grow uh, because that's really about looking after health with a capital you know the health of the business the health of the people yep. you know a lot of people you know a lot of people you know for the right reasons go to work and and, and if everyone's got a security issue you know they, they want to know that the business is going the right direction because they've got families they've got mortgages they've got you know that's my that's my responsibility yeah my responsibility is to make sure that we've got a business that you know that, that is a that is healthy and sustainable, mm-hmm. and that includes all of the things we've talked about. If you don't look after your people from a occupational health point of view, from a safety point of view, from a well-being point of view, what, what, why why will they look after you? Yeah, totally, yeah. totally. And uh, a disgruntled employee is one of the most dangerous things that you could have in any organisation. <laughs> well, as if you look at cyber security and you look at the charts they put up, you say, "Where's where's it likely? To ha- where's the attack likely to come from?" You know, it's likely to come from the disgruntled employee. Right? Yeah, totally, totally. Or well, me, thank- who doesn't know how to operate a computer, you know, with C prompts, <laughs> you know. Thank you very much for coming on the show, Fraser. I really appreciate it. I think people will get a lot from this interview and have learned a bit from yourself. You've been absolutely fantastic. So, on behalf of the Safer Than Your Average podcast, thank you very much. Well, listen. Can I just uh, uh, emulate and say thank you very much? This has been this has been terrific, and I'm I'm not sure people will learn anything from it. But I've rambled for the for however long. But it's been really nice. It's been like a walk down the memory lane, as it were. So I really appreciate uh, you asking me on here, and uh, thanks very much. And hopefully, will we see each other in the flesh once uh, once lockdown's over? Yeah, totally, totally. I'm looking forward to it, Fraser. Thank you very much. Thank you. Cheers. This podcast is sponsored by Inside Out Group, the specialists in high-risk and challenging filming and time-lapse, covering health and safety videos for rail, construction and infrastructure projects nationwide.